Earners, what's going on? Listen, EYLU is relaunching, revamping, retooling. That's right, we're creating a new educational experience that's more expansive. Shari, tell me what we got. Yes, 2023. We got a lot in store, a lot planned for you guys. So you know that EYLU already includes monthly financial planning calls with me, book club calls with Troy, real estate calls with MG the Mortgage Guy, access to the home buying blueprint, volume one and volume two. Part of the revamp will include 27 local chapters from across the United States, live interactive teaching, hands-on, not just pre-recorded videos, plus 15 brand new curriculums. The biggest just got bigger. Head over to EYLUniversity.com. That's E-Y-L-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. See you there. Earners, what's up? Look, as an entrepreneur, the dream is to earn a living doing what you love. But let's face it, turning that dream into reality is no small feat. That's where Kajabi steps in, transforming challenges into opportunities. I've been there, juggling every aspect of my business, wishing for a simpler way to diversify revenue and grow my brand. Then Kajabi changed the game. It's an all-in-one platform that empowered me to not just build, but thrive. With Kajabi, creating online courses, membership sites, and more became not just possible, but easy. And the best part? I kept 100% of what I earned, thanks to Kajabi's no-commission policy. But Kajabi isn't just about tools. It's about building a profitable business with the support of robust analytics, easy payment options, and customizable templates, all without needing a huge team or audience. Join me and thousands of entrepreneurs making six or seven figures on Kajabi, regardless of your audience size. If you're ready to turn your passion into profit, Kajabi is your next step to success. So what are you waiting for? Build, grow, and keep what you earn with Kajabi. Start your journey today. And right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash earn. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash earn. Kajabi.com slash earn. And join the entrepreneurs and creators who've made over $6 billion. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. Earners, what's up? Look, this episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your money. I can't front. The nerds have helped me get smarter about a few things, like planning my tax bills so that I don't dread April every year, or making a budget that's balanced, not just buying sneakers and fly clothes, or saving on travel because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night or maybe a five-star dinner. Or boosting my credit score, since we all know credit is like the real-life cheat code. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines can have on your life. You'll get the clarity you need to make smart decisions with confidence. Smart money is the smartest way to get even smarter about money. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you? Well, thank you. My sister always has a savings account, and I'd be like, that was my personal line of credit. I'd be like, Angela, I'm about, I'm about to miss payroll again. And she'd be like, okay. I'm like, I'll pay you back in three weeks. <laughs> She's like, okay, again. I make payroll, then I got to make it back. Then I got to pay her back, so now I'm still not getting paid. This is what I'm talking about when I say you have to be relentless. 
And you also, like, convincing your partner, that's part of the journey. And also, too, sometimes they're not going to be convinced. So you just believe for the both of you. I always talk to my partner, letting him know what we're doing and how I'm trying to make things happen. And I don't ask for permission. I just go and do it. Yes. This is It's giving. <laughs> it's giving comfortability. <laughs> it's giving luxury. It's giving luxury. <laughs> yes. Yes. Comfortable. I love this. What's up, y'all? Y'all having a good time? This is dope, man. I didn't even hear a yes. I just heard a woo. <laughs> you got it. One time for Rachel for putting this together, man. Let's get a round of applause. Yeah, yeah. So we got invited to come out here. Puerto Rico was a no-brainer. And, uh, you know... That was kind of my plan. That was my strategy. Was easy yes. That was easy. <laughs> easy yes. <laughs> we do events all the time, so I really respect when I see events done at, at a very high level. And um, that says a lot about the person that's throwing the event. Um, so thank you for having us. And you guys should definitely be picking up all the gems that's dropped throughout this weekend. But more importantly, networking with each other, because that, to me, is probably one of the most valuable things about when you come in here. You know, you come and you're with thousands of people with like-minded minds and they're spending money to come out here. So you never know who you might be able to meet, your next yes. business partner, your next real estate developer partner. And, you know, it's something that's extremely beneficial. So don't take that for granted. I, I urge you guys to network. That's very, very important. Yeah, and I just want to touch on what I'm looking at because we've been a lot around a lot of communities, but this is probably the best dressed community we've ever seen. Listen. I mean, this must be a standard, like, you have to be fly to be part of this community. That's what I'm it's I just mean, natural. It's natural? <laughs> My God, you look beautiful. <laughs> yes, yes. So, we are going to have Rachel on the hot seat. If you watch EYL, you know we ask the tough questions, um, and this will be no different. You know, I'm sure you guys want to know the keys to her success, how she got started, how she was able to build her empire, what keeps her motivated, what, what keeps her driven. And um, this is really gonna be a really dope, you know, conversation that's gonna cover all of those different things. So, uh, you ready? I'm ready, let's do it. Let's do it. Yes, yes. I'm a little scared. Because <laughs> y'all gonna be having me telling all my business. Perfect. <laughs> they, wouldn't, they would expect nothing less. <laughs> So, so let me ask you this. I mean, we're here now. People always see the success. Yes. Right? So we're in Puerto Rico in this beautiful convention center. You've done tremendously well for yourself. And, but where did it start? Like, where did it start from point A to getting here? Yes. Well, it started with me um, scrapping in high school. <laughs> like, I used to have a lot of fights. I don't know why. Um, but shout out to Queens. Yes, shout out to Queens. <laughs> it's a New York thing. Grab it, it's I, a New I, York I, thing. It's, <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm feisty. And that's the thing. I would be the quiet one. Like, I'm quiet. I'm not coming for you. But if you come for me, we about to fight. <laughs> and listen, I'm going to give you a run for your money. Like, I may not be able to say that, you know, I beat your ass. But, <laughs> but I'm going to give you a run for your money. You ain't going to want to come back. I'll tell you that part. So that's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down. 
<laughs> write that down. But I think there's something to that, right? Like even just being a fighter, all of the challenges, I'm very grateful for them now because I think it just, it, it, it helps you to be, like I was talking about earlier, relentless, you know? When you have, you know, issues with lights going out and, you know, I would go to the grocery store and have to pay with food stamps and I would be like hiding in the aisles waiting for my friends and my neighbors to leave so that they wouldn't see me, you know, because I had so much shame around it. And, you know, I wait for them to leave, be very strategic. And then sometimes you get caught and I just leave and walk home from the grocery store and cry. You know what I mean? Just being embarrassed. I think all of that helped me to be very focused and helped me to be relentless like a dog with a bone when I want to make something happen. So I'm very grateful for all of those experiences. And I'm also grateful because then I relate to a lot of people too, because a lot of people have that story. Um, and everybody has a story of struggle of some kind. And that story of struggle we think is a disadvantage. It's actually an advantage because entrepreneurship is not easy. Building wealth is not easy. Taking yourself from zero to a lot more is not an easy journey. So if you've had challenges already, great. You're equipped. You're ready. Mm -hmm. You have the right stuff um, in, your, in your toolbox to get you through the challenges of the journey. Yeah, so this mindset, and I wonder when, when I listen to you speak sometimes, I'm wondering that millionaire mindset, is that something that, that you're naturally born with or is it something that's developed? And I, I wonder because I remember, right, it's one of these things when I was younger, I used to write. Mm -hmm. the stories and I'll say mom I'm gonna buy you a mansion one day and she yes. kept the story she's like well Troy was my mansion <laughs> where'd I mention at? time um, to pay the piper <laughs> right and so I, I wanted I mean obviously you, that was in my mind at that time when I was a young child but I'm wondering from your journey and being around your community is that something that you see that is inherently a part of a person's characteristic or is that something that's developed I think a millionaire mindset is developed and I think it keeps being developed right like even now what, what has made me so proud of this conference, too, is that the speakers are changing their flights and sticking around. Mm. A lot of speakers dip in and out. They're like, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm staying here. I'm going to hang out. Right? <laughs> that makes me so proud. And, and the reason why I mentioned that is because even when we're far, even when we have New York Times bestselling books and we have eight-figure businesses, there's still so much to learn, right? There's still so much to accomplish and to do, and you never stop learning. So I think you're always working on that millionaire mindset. But I also know that having to go to the grocery store with food stamps and having the, you know, Con Ed come to my door and turn off the lights and all of the stuff that came with that got me very focused on money at a very early age. So I was always curious, like, how are people making money? And I tell the story in my, in my book about how I used to babysit for this little girl named Alana. It was a Jewish family. They were so sweet. And it was in Douglaston. And I grew up in Flushing, Queens, right? Douglaston is a much nicer neighborhood. And I would take the bus over there. And it was like tree-lined streets. And it was, you know, big houses. There was three of them. It was, you know, mom, dad, and Alana in this giant house that had so many rooms. I was like, what are they doing with all these rooms? What is this room? It was a formal dining room. I, had, I was like, what is that? I've never seen a formal dining room before. You know what I mean? And I would open their pantry to like make her a snack. And it was like so many options. I was like, wow, one day I'm going to be able to get those frozen waffles that my mom always says no. <laughs> it's always those little things, right? Like, what was it? Like, you wanted Cocoa Puffs and you couldn't get the Cocoa Puffs. Your mom said no because <laughs> I didn't have the money. It's like 
But I would, I would see that and her mom, her father worked from home and the mom would be at work and I'd be like, what do these people do for a living? And I would ask, you know, mm -hmm. I was always trying to be a detective, like people who have money, how did they get it? Cause I just had no idea. I couldn't fathom like, how are, how do they have so much? Um, and so learning that, like, that's what I think got me to focus on money is the fact that we didn't have any, right? If we would have been very comfortable, I don't think it would have been a priority to me. You think that inquisitive nature helped shape your career path? Because a lot of times in our communities, we see a few avenues of where we can make money, right? Usually in arts or performing or entertainment. But the fact that you were inquisitive and in trying to find out how other people were making money, did that help in, in the way you were choosing where you were going to go with your career? Yes. And honestly, I didn't really know that as a kid. Like, I didn't know. I saw performers, black performers. I saw black athletes. But really, nobody from my neighborhood was becoming an R&B singer or a basketball player, right? Like, they might have had hopes and dreams, but I wasn't actually seeing it happen in my neighborhood. So to me, I was just like, I just want to know how. Like, what job y'all got? <laughs> <laughs> and I learned, like... What I had found is like a lot of people were highly educated. So I was like, okay, then I need to go to school. Great, works for me because I'm good at school, right? Like I like to study, I like to learn, I love to read. And so all of those things will benefit me. Just where do I go to school? What pathway do I need to take? Like just break it down for me, show me, right? Like I just wanted, I was so hungry to know and I was gonna be relentless until I figured it out. So let me ask you this. Uh, what moment did you realize you had something special? Good question. I think, you know, what was interesting is I started with a law practice. So I went to law school. I graduated during the 2008 recession and there were not a lot of jobs available. What kind of law, what kind of law was you practicing? I was actually studying like family law. I actually went to a school that had a specialty in IP law and I was like, nah, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, I'm gonna do family law because I wanted to help people. Like family and, law, what does that mean? Like you custody, know, custody battles and stuff? Well, yes, but also like I imagined doing something like working for a nonprofit. And I remember I sat down with my sister and she had like a neighbor. We had lunch with her and they both sat me down and they were like, listen, you need to get this money. OK, <laughs> you see these loans? <laughs> they added up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not doing the nonprofit thing. Maybe you could do that in the future. But like right now you need to pay these loans back, sis. Right. <laughs> so they had they had to have a talk with me about that. Um, but what was interesting, so I started, I wound up starting my own law practice because law firms are often very toxic spaces. And I had interned at a few places and I was like, this ain't gonna last. Like, I'm just not the type of person that is obedient enough to work <laughs> in a corporate environment long-term. That's very well put. <laughs> I know some people like that. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, this ain't ever gonna work. So like, and here was my thinking. And I literally said this to my husband. I was like, I'm already broke. So if I'm already broke, it's better to not take the law firm job where I'd make a lot of money. It's better to stay broke now, start the entrepreneurial journey while I'm still broke. And I'm like, I'm comfortable being broke, right? I've been broke. So like, let me just start now. If I'm gonna be broke, be broke doing my own thing instead of going somewhere, getting comfortable, upgrading my lifestyle, and then trying to find a way out of it. So that was kind of my strategy. So I started my law practice, and it was so interesting. Literally, within six months, I was getting a lot of press. 
Like, it was just like I was an anomaly, you know, like being a young lawyer right out of law school. People don't just go solo out of law school. You're supposed to pay your dues, work at a law firm, be trained by a partner over a long period of time. Then you can go solo. Then you have permission. And I just did it. Um, and I did it with my Afro and not, you know, not wearing the suits. And it was interesting. It like attracted so many people to me because it was just different. People were looking for a lawyer that looked like them, that they felt comfortable talking to, that explained it to them in plain English, that didn't act like they were better than them. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm onto something here. And that's, I think that's when I first figured out that like just being myself was enough. And actually the more I was myself, the more it actually attracted people to me. So I, you know, when I decided I was done practicing law, because I actually felt limited by it. I felt very limited by practicing law. I wanted to help my clients in more ways. And my business was growing faster than some of my clients, my law practice clients. And they'd be like, how are you getting all these clients? How are you making this money? And I'm like, let me tell you. And then a friend, another friend pulled me aside. Shout out to our friends who check us. <laughs> she was like, listen, you need to be charging for all that free business advice you've given. They paying for contracts, okay? They ain't paying for all that business advice. And so... I started doing that and that's how I got into coaching. And then I used that same thing to build Hello7. I just built what I wanted to see and, you know, use my authentic self, right, as the brand, right? That is the brand, you, right? You, your vibe. I think we think we need to do something extra or we need to be something else. No, no, your uniqueness is actually what attracts people to you. That's, that's what makes the brand, you know, interesting and lasting. If you try to be somebody else, it's gonna be whack, right? If you be the best version of yourself, there's only one of you, right? Only I can do Rachel Rogers, right, to, to the best of my ability. And so the more I do that and the more I bring that to what I do, the more people are attracted. So to me, like the special sauce is literally you, your personality. I think our actual personalities are the basis of our brands. I wanted to say something about that because that's extremely important. Yes. Really get comfortable with yourself and embrace yourself because a lot of times, when people are looking for marketing campaigns, they're trying to become something else. Yes. And they're looking to mimic somebody else's success. Exactly. The problem with that is that you're always gonna be following somebody else. Yes. And, and somebody else is always gonna be doing it better, right? Yeah, and it's never gonna come off, because I used to be a financial advisor. Yes. So, you know, starting as a financial advisor, I was the only black person in the whole entire office. <laughs> yes. And you know, we have a New York accent, and I listen to rap music, and you kind of feel a little intimidated. Yes. But then you realize that there's a lot of people who could relate to me. Yes. That can't relate to the other guys. Exactly. So now that be... So what you once look at as a handicap is actually a superpower. Exactly right. So you, you really have to embrace that. And that's what we have done with Earn Your Like, you know, we kind of embrace who we are and that has opened the door to millions of people worldwide that was left out of the conversation. Exactly right. But if we were running from that and we tried to just fit in the mold of what CNBC would look like, exactly, we would have never been able to be as successful as we are now. Exactly. Like y'all have created a movement, right? And it all starts with what do we want? Mm -hmm. Because we are so like everybody here is somebody who is from a historically, systemically excluded community. And so that is actually an advantage to us because we are unrepresented in a lot of ways in so many spaces, like in financial literacy, mm -hmm. right? And so if we just bring our sauce and how we do our thing to that, whatever that expertise is, this is why you have an explosion with Earn Your Leisure, right? 
and, and we've seen it. I mean, we've seen it obviously in hip hop as an export, but now yes. what we're doing is having education and financial literacy be the greatest export that we can have. Yes. I want to go back for a second. <laughs> and you touched on it really briefly, but it's vitally important because you said before you made that change from practicing law, you had the conversation with your husband. Yes. Any married entrepreneurs in here? <laughs> Check y'all out, okay. Right at home. <laughs> but talk about that because, I mean, those type of conversations not, can't always be easy, right? If, yes. if your partner's not supportive, if they're not aligned with the vision that you have, talk about that. How did that go and, you know, how supportive and, and how aligned was it? Or did you have to do some convincing? Yes. No, he was very supportive in the, from, from day one. Um, and also, he's an entrepreneur as well. So he was, he was like, okay, you don't want to get a job. Cool. You spent all this money on school. I, I literally funded our lives while you were in school. Um, I got to give up my Range Rover. Okay, I'm going to give up my Range Rover. Now I'm driving a Nissan Altima. I'm going backwards, not forwards. What is this? <laughs> And this man loves cars, okay? He just had a flashback. <laughs> he just had a flashback, <laughs> literally. He's gonna have nightmares tonight of driving that Nissan Altima with 100,000 miles on it, okay? He was like, I'm, I'm pushing this, okay? Because we got a dream. Um, <laughs> so he was supportive for a while. Can we clap it up for him? Yes, definitely. He had the I have a dream bumper sticker. That's right. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I, this, none of this would be happening if it weren't for that man right there, okay? So. So, <laughs> so he was very supportive and he was like, okay, let's do it. And also too, I think your partner responds to your energy. When you're showing up with a, I'm taking this seriously, I'm making it happen, I understand that we got bills to pay, Right, and I'm not afraid to go ask for the sale and be and follow up with the client. Be like, yes, you need to pay this invoice. No, you cannot have an extension, right? <laughs> because he's he was staying home with our kids. Because I, as soon as I started a business, literally six months into it, I was pregnant with my daughter, and then I got pregnant again immediately. I remember when I announced that my son Jackson, I was pregnant with my son, and they were like, again, <laughs> already? What did you do it? You know. <laughs> I'm like, not family planning, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so we decided he was going to stay home with the kids and that I would just keep building this business. But after a while, he was like, mm, I'm, I'm not liking this. Um, I feel like I don't know what money's coming in. I don't know when I'm going to be able to pay these bills. I'm feeling very stressed. You got all these employees. They get paid first. We get paid last. And there's not that much left over. Um, and so after a while, he was like, yeah, no, I'm not feeling this. You might need to go get a job or something. <laughs> like, I was supportive for a while, but you're going to have to turn it up a notch or, I, or we got to figure something out, you know? And because the whole time, too, he'd be like, I'm going to get a job. And I'd talk him out of it. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm right there. I'm on the cusp. It's coming. <laughs> I, how many times did I say that to you? And then it was like a year later, we still on that cusp. <laughs> When we gonna tip over? Cause this is taking a minute, okay? <laughs> Seriously, so yes, we, he definitely had moments where he started to have doubts. And here's the thing that I, 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 the advice that I have for couples and for people in relationships where they have a vision for something and sometimes your partner doesn't see it. 
One, you need to be serious, like take it seriously. They need to see you putting in work, taking it seriously, because that's what helps them to trust and believe. They don't have the same vision. They can't see what you see. They're betting on you, right? And your choices absolutely affect every aspect of their life, including what car they get to drive, right? <laughs> and whether their bills are paid on time. Like we had times where we paid the whole team and then we'd have to go under, the, there was a desk in our kitchen. We get that big five gallon bottle that you put your coins in all the time. Take that, that thing, that to coin star at the grocery store, turn it over. And that's how we bought groceries for our family that week. Cause we pay everybody and not ourselves. Okay. And listen, shout out to this one because my sister always has a savings account. And I'd be like, that was my personal line of credit. <laughs> I'd be like, Angela, I'm about, I'm about to miss payroll again. And she'd be like, okay. I'm like, I'll pay you back in three weeks. <laughs> She's like, okay, again. And she would let me borrow money. I make payroll. Then I got to make it back. Then I got to pay her back. So now I'm still not getting paid. <laughs> So the people don't tell these stories. This is what I'm talking about when I say you have to be relentless. And you also like convincing your partner, that's part of the journey. And also too, sometimes they're not gonna be convinced. So you just believe for the both of you. That's what you have to do, believe and take action for the both of you. Like I, I, I always talk to my partner, I'm always you know, letting him know what we're doing and how I'm trying to make things happen. And I don't ask for permission, I just go and do it. I just believe for both of us. Sometimes I see the vision and he don't, and I got to believe for the both of us. Sometimes that's what you have to do when you're in a partnership. I'm going to try that when I get home. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I believe for both of us. <laughs> I heard Rachel say it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, when was uh, Hello7 conceived? And uh, how'd you go from concept to launch? A lot of people have good ideas, but the execution is what's really important. So yes. talk about that. Yes. Okay, so I was transitioning out of law practice and I had hired a lot of coaches, right? I was hiring coaches, you know, Yvonne was just one of the first, but I had a lot of coaches along the journey because I wanted to learn from people and I wanted to go fast. And, you know, I joined all these different coaching communities and there'd be communities with people who are making you know, a hundred million dollars, right? That I was, you know, lucky to be in the door, but everybody was a white guy, literally. And there was like two black women in the room and both of us were biracial. I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this? Okay, no people of color and particularly no people of color on stage ever. And then also too, just making like, I got called a house N-word at a mastermind event that I spent thousands of dollars to be at. Um, you know, getting sexually harassed at some of these events, like the, the bro culture is whack, y'all. Um, and so those were the only spaces that I knew of. Everybody talked to, particularly women, right? And, and, and you know, people of color entrepreneurs, it's like, make your first six figures. And I'm like, y'all, I done made six figures and I've learned that it's not that much, okay? Uh, I gotta still pay a team, I gotta pay bills, like how am I gonna make that happen? Six figures ain't enough. So I wanted to know, how do you make seven figures? And not a lot of people were talking about it back then. Very few people. And so I would go into these spaces and just, I remember my husband literally coaching me and being like, just, just go in there, you're gonna get that information and you're gonna bring it back to us. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> just take one for the team. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's what I would do. And I would go and I would ignore all of the ridiculousness that was happening in those spaces. And I would get up close and be like, this dude is not smarter than me. 
Literally. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, he don't have better ideas than me. He's just better funded. He got a better network. That's about it. And so I decided like, okay, I'm tired of being annoyed at all these places that I go. I'm going to create it. So I decided to create it myself, right? And so I'm like, what I want to create is a, is a place for, uh, for all of us, the rest of us, all of the non-white guys, right, that want to build businesses and be successful. I want to create a space where we can feel seen, where being a cis straight white guy is not centered as the, the sun that we all revolve around. That didn't exist, and I wanted to create that community. So that was the concept for Hello 7. And, I, and it was Hello 7 because I'm like, uh, stop talking about six. That's not enough. We need to have bigger dreams and bigger goals, okay? So, and soon I'm going to just change the company to Hello 9 because that's what we really need. <laughs> so, once you, so, once you are, so once you have that... What's the actionable item like to say, okay, what's the marketing plan to really get people to know, believe and buy into what you have created? Yes. Well, I literally sat down on a plane on a way back on the way back from one of these events that is like, you know, it's hard to get into. Like people are grateful to be there. It's an opportunity. But it was just like, I'm tired of this. And so on the plane, I'm literally writing in my notebook the concept for Hello7, who is the ideal client for this? And so I write down, and this is literally what I have my clients do. What are the three different types of ideal clients that I could serve with this brand? And so I'm like, is it, what, what kind of entrepreneurs, where do they have to be, right? And so I'm, I'm writing down who the ideal client is. And then I'm writing down, okay, so how are we gonna serve them? What's the program, what's the offer? And so I'm writing down, okay, here's what I think the offer should be. And I'm literally just creating what I want. I'm just like, what would I want? if I was in their position. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm like new to seven figures. I'm in my first seven figure year, but for somebody who is at six figures or even less, what are they looking for? And I just- The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 24 seven support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Just wrote it down. And then for me, I'm a quick start. So I'm like, let's launch. I don't want to sit and think about it for a long time. I don't want to plan for a long time. I think that we disadvantage ourselves. Like for me, I'm like, let me go right to the people and see if they want this. And so I had like a audience of legal clients and just other people that knew me once I had started dabbling in coaching. And so I just went to the couple hundred people who knew me and I said, okay, here's what I'm creating. Here's what it is. Here's the opportunity. We're going to start on this day. You know, you want to join me or not? Literally, I just go directly to launch. I don't do a whole, let me do a whole marketing campaign. Let me create all the funnels. Let me line up advertising. I got time for all that. Listen, I got access to some people. If it, you know, if it was five people, I'd go to those five people and be like, hey. And that's what I do with my law practice. I literally emailed every person that I knew and was like, do you want this? Mm -hmm. So I just go directly to the source. Sometimes we're like, well, we need to get clients. People already out there who know you, just go directly to them and ask them for the business. So that's my strategy. That reminds me, when I first started as a financial advisor, we had a Project 100. Yes. So, you know, I'm like 24 years old. and Who do you really know that you can sell life insurance to and 
IRAs and yes. so it's like they made me put a list of a hundred people that I know. Just anybody that I Yes. Know. Literally classmates, neighbors, everybody. And then it's like just reach out to those people, tell them what you're doing, say, you know, can we have a conversation? So you might have like 30 people that actually agree to the conversation. Yes. And then you get referrals. Yes. Yeah. And then that did that and that I was doing financial planning for 12 years. So what you just described, that's like the project 100. Like exactly. people think that they don't know enough people or they don't know the right people. Yes. But if you know somebody, that's enough. Exactly. And you go to every one of them and you ask them, will you hire me? And if you don't have a need to hire me, will you tell somebody who does need me and refer me? And you just ask for those two things, right? And then just keep asking. That's what I did. I made a list exactly of 100 people that I knew and that's how my law practice started. That's how I got my first couple of clients. And then it just kept rolling from there. Yeah. And you know, you do gotta get more sophisticated over time because over time you need more clients or you have less time to write those emails or whatever, but like you wanna do it at scale at a certain point, but that is enough to sustain even a seven figure business if you wanted to. But I think people are afraid to put themselves out there and ask for the sale. It feels like a risk. Mm -hmm. And I think that they have a fear that nobody's gonna take them serious. Yes. Because it's like, if you're just starting in any business and your best friend knows you just started, like you just started last week. Yes. <laughs> like, how are you an expert? <laughs> well, but I think, the, I, think the, I think the problem comes with positioning yourself as an expert. Yes. You could just say, well, I'm starting this company and this is what I'm doing, da da da, da let me educate. And then from there, they may need your services, they may not, but at the very least, it's good practice. Exactly. But they might be able to refer you to somebody else. Exactly. That's kind of how our conversation went. Yeah. Yeah. He was starting his business. He said, do you need the service? I said, I don't think so. He said, yes, you do. I said, sign me up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because you already have that trust. You exactly. already have that relationship. So it's an easier yes than going to somebody that you don't know. Yeah. And here's the thing that um, someone told me, a lawyer told me many years ago, I literally was this guy's groupie. I read his book. His book was on my nightstand. <laughs> and I read it repeatedly. And then every place he would appear, I would go travel to Atlantic City or wherever to hear him speak. And one of the things he used to say, he was a lawyer that taught lawyers how to start um, a, a law practice. And one of the things he would say is, you are not experienced, but you are qualified. And I think we need to remember that, like, I, just because my best friend knows that I just got barred as an attorney, I just got barred as an attorney, did you? <laughs> right? <laughs> I can handle your legal needs, can you? No, you cannot, right? And so I think we have to take ourselves seriously first. People are responding to our energy. So what's the energy that you're bringing when you're approaching these clients? You can't be sheepish and be like, oh, do you, like, you wanna do me a favor and become a client? No, I'm presenting an opportunity. You want some of this, you know? We need to put some stank on it, okay? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think what, what you spoke about, and this is something that, especially in the entrepreneurial world, is taking imperfect actions. Yes. Just doing it. Yes. Right? Like, I, I used, we used to say this, the adage, it was like, start where you are, use what you have, learn as you grow. Exactly. Right? And I, I feel like in your journey, that's exactly what happened. And you're learning as you grow. So can you talk to the entrepreneur? I mean, obviously, there's plenty of entrepreneurs in here about not worrying about it, the, the, the perfect timing or having the, the right setting or having the right team together at first, yes. because you're gonna grow. And, and the beauty of it is that as you grow as a business and you grow that community, they grow with you. Yes. And they appreciate it more because they've seen you 
where you started to where you were sent to. You talk exactly. about that? Exactly, exactly. There are people in here who are like, remember her virtual law office? Who was it that came up to me and said that? <laughs> that yes, yes, <laughs> yes. She was like, I've been following you since then. And that's like, what, 2012, 2013, right? Um, 14. <laughs> yeah, so like there are people who have been following you for the whole journey. Um, that when you, when you, what Pinky was saying yesterday was like, you have to uh, build in public, right? Show people that you're imperfect. Show people like, hey, this is my new thing. I just came up with it. I'm going to try it. Do you want to be on this journey with me? Here's what that could look like, right? And just invite them in. A lot of people want that invitation. And I think we have to not get caught up in the how. Like, we're like, here's what my vision is. Here's what I want to do. And we get so hyped and so excited about the vision. And then immediately we get deflated because we're like, well, how am I going to do it? <laughs> right? Yeah. And the how feels hard, right? Um, and so we're like, mm, never mind. I'm, it's never going to happen. And so I say, forget about the how. Forget about it. Just start talking about it. Start presenting it, take the first step, invite people in to be a part of it. That's all you have to do. And then the how will reveal itself over time. And yes, sometimes it can get challenging. Sometimes you get yourself into situations that are messy. Here's what I tell people, because I think people are always afraid that they're not gonna do a good job, that they're not gonna do right by people, right? And so they worry about their reputation. They worry about like, what if I can't deliver? Listen, you can always process a refund, <laughs> literally. If you don't do a good job, give them their money back then, right? Or make it right. Like, I certainly have had times over the years where something went awry on the journey, and I'm, I'm like, I'm going to acknowledge that that didn't go right. That did not go how it was supposed to go. So here's what we're going to do to make it right. And when you do that with your customers, that builds trust, and then they trust you even more and become repeat customers. So don't be afraid to just put yourself out there and get started. You don't have to be perfect, right? You have enough right now to create success. So let me ask you this. Um, tell us something uh, no one knows. Uh, tell us something not even your masterminds know. Not even my masterminders know. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get my notepad out. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I was not going to share this publicly, but I guess I will. Uh, oh, no. My masterminders do know that. <laughs> I told them that already. <laughs> but I did just tell them. So I think this is some, some tea that's kind of exciting. Um, we really love Puerto Rico, we love the culture, we love the people, and we're about to move here. <laughs> so that's some tea. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're, we're about to make that move. And here's the thing I wanna say about that. Like we have, so we have a ranch in North Carolina, and I have like told people that's part of the journey, right? And that was my dream. And we had that dream and it was fun and it was amazing. And I got to get to watch my little black children riding horses on their ranch. Uh -huh. And it's been amazing, right? And now we want to do something else. And that's what I want for everybody to have options. Yeah. You know? Like, we did that, it was great, and now we're just ready for something different right now. And we might go back to it at some point, but right now we're going to try something else. And I just want us to be like, oh, you know what, I feel like doing this, and just be able to move. And when we have resources, we can make those moves whenever we want. It's financial freedom. <laughs>
That's financial freedom. <laughs> Indeed. So, like I said, this is a large community and everybody's coming here, you know, with a certain set of skills. But what's, what's one of those skills that you think that everybody should have? If this is their toolbox of information, what's one skill that they definitely should have and they can add to it right now? Yes. I think everybody needs to learn how to write. Because I'm telling you, now that we live, y'all know, we live in an age of content, 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 right? And so I think writing skills are crucial because even when you're doing video, being, you know, thinking about what you're going to say on video, having a plan for how you're going to present, uh, copywriting, writing Facebook ads, writing emails, writing landing pages, right? There is so much like my, I feel like I, I've told my team, it's like we are a copy factory. We are a content factory. That is what we are making every day in our business. And so writing is, I think, incredibly valuable. And I think everybody should know how to do it. And almost everybody on my team writes emails. They'd be like, wait, you want me to write an email? I'm not a copywriter. I'm like, yes, but we need these emails. So can you help me out? <laughs> Get these emails done. And honestly, I learned how to write in law school. In law school. And, and here's one of the, the writing tips that I want to give y'all. First of all, first things first, right? The, the reason why my book is a best-selling book is because I'm talking in my book. I'm writing in my book the same way I talk. And that's what people find appealing. I'm giving them valuable information, but I'm doing it the way that I talk in real life, right? That's called voice. And that's what people want. They don't want to read boring corporate speak all the time, right? They want to hear from you in your voice, using your slang, using how you connect with people. So don't be afraid to just write how you think, right? Write how you speak. It's so valuable. And then one of the other things I like to do is stop writing these long, you know, those of you who do those long social media posts where they're 17 paragraphs, <laughs> we don't got time for that. We love you, but can you summarize that? That was one of the things that I learned in law school because when you write a legal brief, you have to summarize, you have a word count and you literally cannot submit it if it is longer than that word count. So literally you would write your legal brief, you have to present the facts, your arguments, you have to present the law, all the citations in the brief, right? You write the whole brief and then what you do is you go through and cross out every word that doesn't have to be there to still get the point across. And that's how you write something that is clear, concise, efficient, and effective, okay? So that's a writing tip for y'all. Use your voice and then cross out all the words that you don't need and your writing will be so much more effective. And just don't, you don't have to label yourself, oh, I'm a writer, I'm good at writing. You're a person who communicates, you can write. You can write, you can speak, trust that and do it more, right? Because we live in an age of content. People need to know who you are and connect with you. And if you don't write, and if you don't talk to them, they're not going to know who you are. They're not going to build trust with you. And then they're not going to buy your stuff. Yeah, writing, extremely important. It's something that, uh, like, we do, even with, like, YouTube uh, captions. Exactly. Titles and thumbnails. It's, it's really an art to that. Yes. Right? And knowing, like, what is going to be catching to the person. And you're just doing too much with words sometimes. So yes. It's extremely important. And just headed into the new era of AI with ChatGBT. Everybody should be aware of that. I'm not sure your thoughts on that, but you know, they have artificial intelligence now where you could just put three words in and it comes up with a whole story. Right. It's actually pretty mind blowing, but- um, And then I think you should edit it. <laughs> <laughs> because I think there's a, like, 
what's going to happen is what I worry about with something like that is that the quality is going to go down, right? I think there's still a place in this world for our individual voices, and there's a time and a place for, like, just bang it out and get it out the door, right? Sometimes we need to make it happen faster, and so having these tools allows us to do that, but it doesn't take away the art from it. The art is still very necessary. The art is part of how we connect. So I think that that is an important piece of it, too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you got yeah, I was going to say, can you explain the, your most impactful money moves? My most impactful money moves. Well, apparently this event. <laughs> um, honestly, I would say probably the most impactful money move that I've ever had was because of the pandemic. I had uh, the only way that people could work with me was a mastermind in 2020 right, up until March 2020. And then all my clients, because their, their partners were losing their jobs, their whole industries were obliterated if they were in the event space or other spaces where it was just gone overnight for quite some time. And so my masterminders were all letting me know, like, I'm not gonna be able to pay you this month, right? Uh, and so I'm like, oh, what are we gonna do, right? We were, so, like, we were making, you know, I don't know, $100,000 a month and now we making 10,000 this month, <laughs> right? We in trouble, right? And so, you know, I spent time in the bathtub sobbing about that, you know, as one does, you do that first, get it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> sending, I mean, Brittany probably still has those boxes. Brittany is the president of my company. <laughs> she probably still has those boxes of me sobbing, snot, you know, talking to her. Um, but what did I do? I said, okay, what do I have? What do I have? What I have is an amazing team, right? What I have is a community of people. I have, the, I have a podcast with a lot of passionate people who listen to the podcast and want to work with me, but they're not ready for the mastermind yet. They're not there yet. And so I just went to them. Like, I just went on social media and I said, if I was going to create something for you, like, what do you need right now? Now that we're in March 2020, what is it that you need right now? What could I do for you? How can I serve you? How can I help you? And their response was literally everything. We want to learn branding. We want to know offers. We want to know how to hire. We want to know how to build systems. And so I was like, okay, so y'all want me to do everything for nothing? How am I going to do that, right? And so I had to go sit down and say, okay, you know what? A mastermind and a membership are basically the same offer. It's just the mastermind has less people in it. And so it's a little bit more exclusive. There's more, they get more time with you, right? But it's relatively the same thing. There's a member site, there are lessons, there's information, um, there's a community, right? And it's about the size of it, that's really the difference. So I was like, okay, let's take this member site that we already had for our mastermind. We're gonna take some, we're not giving everything, we'll take some things out, but we could give that member site plus a community, plus some live coaching calls, and, and that's the offer. And so we just came up with the club literally overnight and just started launching it, started talking to people and said, we're going to start on May 1st. In, April, in the beginning of April, we did what we call a pony post, which is now infamous in my community. <laughs> and we just said, hey, this is what we're thinking. You know, would you like to join us? And if you want, you know, if you want your kids riding ponies in the future, right, just put pony in the, in the comments <laughs> if, you, if you feel this offer is for you. We had 300 people say yes immediately. And, and we launched the club on May 1st, 2020 with 300 people. And then literally a month later, I was very irate after what happened with George Floyd. And I expressed my rage 
online in a video really to other entrepreneurs because I felt like they were not acknowledging the, what was happening. And that video went viral. And then all of these people were like, oh, you do this? I want to join too. So we wound up having another 900 join within a month. So we had 1,200 people in the club by June 2020. We had started it May 1st. And so I think that money move, the money move there is talk to your people. Literally, that's it. Talk to your people, find out what do they need, have empathy for your people. And that's what writing is too, right? It's like, I have empathy for you. I'm thinking about what you're experiencing. I'm thinking about, you know, where you're at right now, what you need to hear and what, what you need to experience. And I'm creating that for you. I'm writing for you. I'm creating offers for you. And so I think if you have compassion for your client, then you can create things that constantly serve them. And they're going to say yes, because you're tuned into what they're actually asking for. Mm. That's the money move. Good. Hello, seven. It's going to be hello, nine. We know that's going to happen. <laughs> so a, a lot of times, you know, in order for us to get to success, sometimes we're the biggest hurdle. Yes. We get in our own way. Always. And I, I heard you say something super profound. Uh, it was in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to risk your ego. Oh, 100%. Can you expand upon that? Well, it's just like, you know, earlier when I was like, if you want to join us, stand. It is 100% possible that everybody was like, nah, son. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and that's risking your ego, right? That's, you know, putting yourself out there when you make that first offer, when you send that, uh, you know, those first 100 people and you pitch them and say, hey, send me a referral or um, become my client, right? That's risking your ego. You have to be willing to get rejected because entrepreneurship is full of rejection for everybody. I still get rejected. Y'all rejected me when I first told y'all about this event and y'all didn't buy your tickets. Okay. Reminder. <laughs> I'm still salty. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But literally rejection is part of the journey and you got to get very, very comfortable with it. And if you think that you're going to get through entrepreneurship without ever being rejected, but I, and anybody saying, no, I'm not interested, right? You need to get comfortable being the salesman. The best experience you can have is be a salesperson that gets the door slammed in your face constantly. And honestly, that happened to me. At, at the end of law school, I was applying for a clerkship with a judge. This is a very exclusive thing. There's very limited number of judges and they have a limited number of, of, of clerkship opportunities and they give it to the best students. All the best students with the best grades want these jobs, right? So they're not easy to get. So you, the strategy is you just apply to as many judges as humanly possible, which is a lot of work, okay? And so I apply to, at the end of law school, I probably applied to 50 to 100 law firms and then I applied to like another 50 judges. And literally, remember this, babe? There was a time when, like, leading up to graduating from law school, where literally every day, two to three rejection letters would arrive. Mm. Every day. So every day, I'm, I'm like, is this going to be the one? Nope, not interested. Okay. Sometimes it had a note. I enjoyed meeting you. You know what I mean? But still, still no. I'm not going to give you a job. And so, like, I think opening those letters day after day after day with hope, and, and getting told no was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because then it was just like, okay, getting rejection, I ain't dead. 
right? I'm still here. I, there's still other opportunities outside of this. And so if you can get comfortable with rejection and not make it so legendary in your mind and not make it mean that you're not good enough, right? That you're not successful enough, that you're never going to win. That is, you create a whole story around this. This one person said, no, okay, next, right? But we create a whole story about how, oh, I'm never going to be successful because this one person told me no. Let it go, right? And forget about the ego, right? Let, just let that die and, and stay focused on who you're trying to serve and be okay with somebody telling you no and just keep getting up and going to the next person. And, and that's how you win. And when you have that level of relentlessness, you're, you know you're gonna, I used to say like, I know I'm gonna be successful. It's just a matter of time. It's just about when is it gonna happen? I don't know when, but I'm not gonna quit until it does. Yeah, I think it's extremely important for all entrepreneurs at some point to work sales. Exactly. Um, because even what you described, that's, that's actually a nice way of getting rejected. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> with a letter, a nicely yeah, written a letter. letter. Yeah, like <laughs> if you ever had to call somebody and you have the debate in your brain whether it's a good idea, yes. to actually make the phone call and you're so nervous and then they call you and then they like cursing you out on the phone. Like, <laughs> you know, that's, 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 or if you have to walk into a, a store mm -hmm. and just say, hey, can I meet the owner? Yes. I want to talk to the owner. Like, it takes a different level of confidence. Exactly. And your risk, it, and honestly, I would challenge that. I don't even think it takes confidence. I think it takes courage. I think confidence comes from experience. And when you don't have experience, you don't have that to fall back on. But what you do have is courage, right? So it's just mustering up the courage to stand there and be like, I'm going to ask for this sale. I'm going to send this email. I'm going to make this phone call. I'm going to walk into the store and pitch yourself regardless. I think that's what it takes. If you have that courage, then a lot of good things can come from that. But I agree with you. That's risking your ego, right? Especially when you're physically there and someone's literally slamming the door in your face yeah. or telling you to get out of their store. Like, that don't feel good. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. That don't feel good. And then you're like, you got to get the courage because now you have the experience to know you are highly likely to get rejected, but you got to muster up the courage to go do it again. And then, but also you have to look at it like, what's the alternative? Like, so for right. me, it was like, the alternative is work a regular job. Yes. And that's not going to happen. Yes. So, <laughs> so I guess I better get out here and get rejected. <laughs> exactly right. You'd be, you'd be surprised what you're able to accomplish when failure isn't an option. Yes, absolutely right. I Absolutely. think a, a lot of people, they have a, they have a, a fallback plan of failure. Yes. And it's like, if it doesn't work out, I could just do this. Mm -hmm. And when you really truly believe like there's nothing else I'm going to do. Yes. And I'm going to like be homeless if I don't do this. <laughs> you'd be surprised what you'd be able to do. Yes, what you can muster up. Exactly. That's why sometimes when entrepreneurs are like, oh, I have... I have, you know, money to... I don't have no money to invest and I'm in the beginning of my business. I'm like, good. Okay, you don't know what to do with that money anyway yet. <laughs> Get scrappy, okay? You about to waste it anyway. <laughs> What's one thing you want everybody to take away from this whole experience being here? What I want them to take away is that you are worthy. Period. That's why we have, you know, beautiful couches. That's why we have this beautiful space. That's why, you know, we pay attention to all of the details because it helps to let you know that you are worthy, right? And you are deserving of 
abundance. And so sometimes the environment can be the coach, right? The environment can be the coach that helps you to see, oh, I could have this, right? It was me going on my first retreat to Italy with Susan Hyatt, right? And this little, little white girl from Indiana, I'm like, how I wound up with this woman? Um, <laughs> now she's one of my closest friends. But I went and, you know, I was in this beautiful space with this beautiful view. And I was like, wow, this is available to me. And I think when you get in spaces like that, you're like, oh, this is accessible to me. I put myself here, so where else can I put myself? And that's what I want people to know. We are all worthy. We need to surround ourselves with abundance, pay attention to the environments that we allow ourselves to be in, pay attention to the content we allow ourselves to absorb and just treat ourselves as worthy. Value this brain, right, that you have created, right? Value this, this asset that you are, right? Y'all talk about assets over liabilities. This is an asset. You are an asset, so treat yourself as such. Manage your asset well um, so that you can have all the success that you want. Yeah, pipe it up. Thank you. Yeah, Lee, really quick. Before we walked out, you said something very important. I, I want them to know. I want, yes. I want your audience to know. I said, how are you feeling? You said, I'm feeling so full because this moment isn't about me. It's about them. This is their community. Yes. So I want to let you know that, like we said when we came out, this is a vibrant community. This is a beautiful community, but it's being led by an amazing person. So clap it up for yourselves for being here. Thank you for bringing us here. This is a bit amazing. Thank you. Thank you Thank for you. being here, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.